صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a fantastic guest for you from Palestine today, Johara Becker, who is a writer and translator and a dear friend of mine. I met her some time ago and reconnected recently. Good morning, Johara. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, Johara. Thanks so much for joining us. Johara, one of the things that our audience always wants to know is the situation on the ground from whenever we speak to somebody in Palestine. The reality is recently we had an election and everybody around the West is sort of saying, well, good news, Netanyahu's gone. So maybe there's an opportunity for talks to start again, an opportunity to revive the two-state solution and a whole conversation about uh, what opportunities exist. The reality is we know better that Naftali Bennett is to the right of Benjamin Netanyahu and leads a coalition of sycophants and settlers and really, um, uh, really terrible people. Can you tell our audience exactly what's going on there and why we should be uh, loath to believe that? Uh, yeah, actually, I find it, I don't want to say funny because it's not funny, but um, I find it really surprising when people think that, oh, Netanyahu is out of the way. Yes, he's out of the way, but we have, like you said, an even more rightist government. Not we, but the Israelis. And to be honest, whether the Israeli government is right or left, or even when Labour was in party, was in, uh, was in power, facts on the ground are more or less the same. Because in my opinion, I think it, it's all tied into, you know, what Israel is based on, which is the usurpation of the land. And it's really, an, it's more of an exis- existential conflict than anything else. And so it's basically, they want us out. They want the land with at least the least amount of Palestinians. And so when we have this government, the only thing that with this government is that the mask has been completely removed. You have Bennett, you have the Pete, you have people who are telling you, you know, no, we don't really believe in the two-state solution. We're going to build more settlements. We're going to, you know, if we want to shoot a Palestinian, we're going to shoot a Palestinian. Uh, So there is no real hope in reviving what the so-called peace process. That's a whole other issue. I mean, I think the two-state solution has been dead for a long time, and it's just time to call the time of death and realize that we have to change um, course. But even with that very lacking solution, that has been on the table for 20 plus years, this government is not even going to pay a lip service. So I think now the ball is in the Palestinians' court that they need to change course in their narrative and in, and in their policies and in their strategy. Mansour Abbas, he is a Palestinian. Can you explain to me how, what compelled him to join this coalition? I don't know. <laughs> I think that he, um, I mean, I, 
The only thing that I can say is that the whole, everything has shifted over the past 10, 20 years that someone like Mansour Abbas now has, now has a platform to, to, for a legitimate platform to have these, these kind of ideas and this kind of policy. For me, it's very strange. I don't understand how someone can say that he is, you know, he's a, a supporter of, they say Arab, but I like to call them Palestinian rights inside of what is called Israel. Um, and then also, you know, hold hands with this kind of government. I don't understand. I, I don't support. And I think that there's a real problem also within the Palestinian community inside of Israel that it has allowed for this kind of ideology to take hold and these be what is a legitimate. You know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, this never would have happened. But again, I mean, it's reflective of also the Palestinians in the West Bank, you know, the leadership here. So it may be just like an ongoing trend where things, where what has, what is acceptable has moved. You know, we didn't used to accept, Palestinians would never have accepted this 30 years ago. But, and that's, that's dangerous for me. To me, that's very dangerous. I mean, because the reality is he's extolled. I met with a, a member of parliament in, a, in Australia and he goes, well, you know, Israel's fantastic. You know, Mansour Abbas is a member of the new party, new government. And so it's fantastic to be a, an Arab in Israel because you, know, you get representation. Sheikh Jarrah, we had the court ruling and an offer, you know, just pay a nominal amount of rent and you can stay without even understanding the concept that we're not paying rent for our own homes. Go get stuffed. But the word we heard was that Bennett had made reached out to Biden and his team to say, put pressure on the Palestinians to make these guys accept this offer. We need this public relations nightmare to go away. How could Mansour Abbas reconcile himself? Is that a friction point at all or he's he can get over that? You know what? I, I don't want, I don't think that it's going to be a friction point because for him, he has already, he already appeases the whole political trend, you know, all of these policies within Israel. Of course, he, he, he wraps it in, in, in a wrapper of, you know, I'm trying to protect citizens and what have you. But um, I, I'm not an expert of, of, you know, on Mansour Abbas, to be fair. But I think that, again, he's using this. It's, it's not going to be a point of friction because he's already put it out there that he is going to work within the system. Okay, and for him, he can always justify that this is a way for for the residents to stay in their homes. Of course, the people of Sheikh Jarrah have already rejected it. They said no way Mm. because um, because that would that that means that they would have to recognize that the land and that the property is is owned by the settlers. And this is something they would never do, you know. So it's still in court and they're appealing it or whatever. But Mansour Abbas is someone who wants to be part of a system that is already very discriminatory against the Palestinians inside of Israel and the Palestinians in general. And for me, this is way more um, dangerous than if, than for us to say, you know, no or whatever, and for the Israelis just to do things straight out. This way he's giving them legitimacy, mm. okay? And he will, and, and that's, what's more, that's what's scarier. And this is what you were saying that you spoke to someone from parliament in Australia who was saying, look, you know, he's part of the parliament. That for me is very dangerous because it gives a face to Israel that's not true. He's just super Stockholmed, it seems. Yeah, it's true. That's true. It's very strange for me. I, I mean, I don't know where he came out of the. 
you know, he just came out of the woodwork. And again, like I said, this is something that never would have happened. I, you know, and it's, that's, that's what, again, and that's what worries me that it's becoming more and more normalized for someone like Mansour Abbas to be part of, of the system and to speak out very publicly, to be accepted, not by, not by the majority. Okay, but by enough people that he's not in any danger. Every liberation movement has its Uncle Tom, Zajahara, and oh, absolutely, this guy's yeah, front and center. Absolutely. Whilst we're still on the elections, Bibi's investigation hasn't gone away. What are the chances of Benjamin coming back? Oh, and it's got a one-seat majority. That 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 Knesset system you know, set up is just default crashing. That's true. That's true. I think that Netanyahu's days are over, I think, politically. But, uh, I mean, you never know. But, you know, you know, the United States is obviously trying to keep the Bennett government intact, you know, in place. And, you know, this, this whole thing about the consulate in Jerusalem. They're not pushing it until the budget gets passed and et cetera, so that his, his government is not um, in danger. I don't think that Netanyahu will make a comeback. I really don't. I think once it's over, it was over. But for me, again, like I told, like I said in the beginning, as long as you have a government, any Israeli government is going to be based on Zionist ideology. And whether it's to the left, to the right, you may get, you know, a little bit of appeasement from here or there. But we have seen over the years what on the ground, it doesn't make so much of a difference. Under labor, we saw how many, under the Oslo Accords, we saw what happened with the settlement. We saw how they multiplied. So... You know, sometimes maybe it's even better that you have a right-wing government and they, the mask is, is removed and, uh, you know, things are what they are. I don't know if that's too extremist, but that's kind of how I see it. Oh, no, you're, you're very right. I can tell you the conversations I had around advocacy between Trump mm-hmm. and Netanyahu in those final two years. I don't think we yeah. recruited, we, we couldn't have recruited more people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Netanyahu's fantastic for us, you know, because he's, yeah. Evil in, in intent and evil personified, but also is unashamedly evil in expression. And so Zionism is exposed. Exactly. And so are these so are these buffoons who are in, in power now. Yep. You know? They don't they're not they're not scared to say that they hate us or that, you know, you know, the two state solution. Of course we're not gonna give them the Palestinian state. Well, you know what? They've all said that. They have all meant it and they've all believed it, but they, you know, some of them just didn't have the courage to say it. I don't know. So at least these guys are, are honest. Naftali's in the honeymoon period though, Jahara. So, you know, Naftali, I've killed enough Arabs. I've killed plenty of Arabs and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You know, um, 15 years later, Benjamin doesn't even have the uh, filter anymore. He just goes, yeah. of course we've got to mow the lawn, you know? What exactly. You, you know, so... But but that also, you know, so that one reflects on them of what their, their true intent is. But it's also, it reflects on, on, on how the world views them, that no matter what they say, it's acceptable. And, you know, so this is why I'm saying is that for the Palestinians, right now, we see what we're up against. There's no longer any guys. There's no longer any, oh, you know, the Labour Party may be a little bit nicer or what have you. No. We see what we are up against, which means that we need to reassess how we um, approach this conflict. And I think that that's, that's a huge feat that we haven't tackled correctly. Now, at the moment, we are led, inverted commas, I use led very, very loosely, 
We are administered, mm-hmm. patrolled by the sycophantic Palestinian authority, an authority that doesn't have the authority to uh, metaphorically wipe its own bottom. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, you know, it's easy for me on the outside, Jahara, and please forgive me for anything I might say that you might find as a trespass. But the brutality, the grotesque way that the PA acted with Nazar Benat, Lirhamu, mm. to go to work in coordination with our occupiers to capture him in Area C, which meant there was coordination. Yes, absolutely. A couple of hours to have beaten a man to death, a, a father, a husband, a carpenter, mm-hmm. just with a Facebook account. This man is, you know, uh, yeah. pure of intent, pure of intent that we go from that to the protests we saw in the street and the, um, the same police mechanisms that we see in Ferguson or in the United States or the Zionists and the IOF when they're treating us, our own police doing the same thing to us. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me on the outside again, Jahara, please. But mm-hmm. at what point do our people rise up and have the Intifada against the PA? Oh. This is the question that I've been asking myself for a very long time. And I think that you're, you're right. This is something that we need to tackle head on and immediately. Um, the murder of Nizar Benet was not just a wake up call. It was, it was, it was a, a huge slap in our face as people. Um, I think that we have tried and I was in the street with the people and every almost every protest against the PA and the brutality that they that they administered in killing this man. And I've always said it, and now I say it even more emphatically, is that instead of just having one layer of oppression, we now have two. You know, we need to the the, the PA in its current form needs to be removed because not only is it not working hand in hand with the people towards liberation, it is working counter to it. It is working counter to our struggle. Um, the fact that it, it had the security coordination with Israel, the fact that, like you said, they were able to, 20-some security men were able to enter Area A of Hebron, none the least, of Hebron to arrest this man. I mean, I'm telling you, an, an ants cannot enter without a coordination with mm. Israelis. Okay, they will not be allowed. He was actually, he was actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't Area A. Area A is under Palestinian. He was in Area C. C. Okay, he was in C. He wasn't even in, he wasn't even in his home at the time. He had gone to, I think it was a cousin's house or what have you. So he was in Area C. The only way that Palestinian police, police and security forces can enter Area C is with, by coordination with the Israelis. So everyone knows it's like this bad, nasty, dark secret that everyone knows nobody talks about. And Nizar Benet's murder was something very visible and very, very um, brutal. But let's be honest, this, this coordination has been happening for years, but this one was very stark. It was, you know, it was right out there. It was very plain sight. But we've had people who have the Israelis come into Ramallah or, or Nablus to the city centers where they're not supposed to be, but they can only enter with coordination with the Palestinians. 
and they arrest or they kill Palestinians. So this has been going on for years. And I keep saying this is that we now have a responsibility. It's not just saying, oh, the Israelis, the Israelis. No, we now have a responsibility to change our, our like you said, quote unquote leadership because they're working because what they're doing is counter to what our aspirations are. And Nizar Banat's death, it, it cannot be in vain because not just because of who he, not just because of the human he is, because of what he represented. Indeed, indeed. One of the things somebody once said to me, the difference between the Israelis coming into Ramallah or Nablus or Janin to grab a Palestinian is they tell the PA they're coming. The PA had to ask to go into area, into Hebron. And I mean, our listeners know we've spoken about Hebron many times before, just how militarized that is, you know, over 2,000 army personnel looking after somewhere between two and 300 extreme fanatical fascist Zionist settlers. So it's not an easy ask to go grab a guy, not just out of his own home, but out of his cousin's home to know where he was. So do you have any hope? I mean, we we always live with hope, Shahar. But are are you seeing anything that might resemble... Uh, the spring? Oh, I want to say yes, because I've seen the people in the street. I've seen how angry people are. I've seen people who have been on the fence for years about the PA and, you know, their role who are now saying, no, this, this can't happen. So I've seen that, but I've also seen how they've cracked down on people. Okay. And not just, not just physically cracked down on them. And I mean, Ramallah, they, they literally drag people by their hair and beat them. But I've seen how people have been dismissed from their jobs. Um, Of course, you you can't prove it, but everyone knows. I've seen how people have been arrested for Facebook posts. So the level of brutality that the PA um, uh, operates, uh, according to which it operates, is just, it's, it's unbelievable. So I want to say yes, but I don't know how much more strength the people have to push against this. There's still a movement on the ground calling for accountability. I don't know about like the actual removal of the PA, but at this point, we want the people who are involved and not just the people, not just the thugs who actually killed them, but of course the higher ups who gave the orders that they need to be held accountable. And this whole system needs to be, it needs to be changed. It needs to be swept away in my opinion, but if not swept away, at least there has to be some kind of accountability because so far there's been none. There's been a farce of a, of an investigation that the government actually put together. So you know, the government are the ones who, who issued the order. So it's basically bull. We have, you know, the Independent Commission for Human Rights has called for an investigation. It's almost like those that everyone knows what happened. I mean, the people, the, the, the guys who actually killed him, they're on camera. So we know who they are. And we know who gave the orders, but who's going to hold them accountable? And I'm hoping that this movement doesn't die down. I'm not 100% optimistic that it won't, because not that the people don't want it. The people want a change, but how much can people handle also? I mean, it's getting it's getting really tough for the actual people, for Palestinians. We have so many levels at this point that you have to fight up, that you have to fight against. My short answer is yes, inshallah. But my, I'm not sure. How, how much can any one people endure? While we're talking yeah. about that, Gaza, have you heard anything out of Gaza? Gaza, Gaza is a whole other ballgame. Gaza, they're basically strangling, strangling them. Yeah. There's reconstruction has not begun. You have the Israelis saying that we will not um, 
not allow any money in unless it's to the PA, which is a corrupt system. I mean, you know, but they don't want to deal with Hamas. You have the Qataris who usually have this grant money that they, you know, it's monthly grant money, which is not so much, but people depend on it. Now they're saying, no, it can't just come in direct. It has to go through PA banks. So nothing is actually happening. The border, the crossings in Gaza, there's only one commercial crossing in Gaza, the Karim Abu Sadim crossing. And the Israelis open it intermittently. They allow, they don't allow everything in. They have something called like, like dual purpose materials that they don't allow in because they say, you know, like steel and plastic and mm. stuff like that, that they say, you know, we can't allow in because Hamas will use it to make manufacture rockets. So the people, electricity is very intermittent in Gaza. So they actually have immediate problems. They have living problems. Their houses have not been reconstructed. Gaza is a whole other, there, there's a whole other bulk. And I don't, again, I don't understand how the world justifies this blockade that has been, you know, clamped down. I don't understand how they don't allow in construction materials, how Israel is never held accountable for any of it. But that's the reality that we see every day and we've seen it for years. And so that, again, I think that the international community has, has a huge responsibility but I also think that the Palestinians need to be better at conveying that. You know, we've been orientalized to such a degree. Our deaths are collateral damage. And, you know, mm. just a couple of brown people doesn't really matter, you know. But yeah. um, if, if, if only we were fair-skinned and blue-eyed, um, they'd have sent <laughs> helicopters in the sixth yeah. fleet to come and save us. Unfortunately, that's true. You kind of know how bad the situation is, is that when they had, there was 11 days of bombardment of Gaza, where almost 300 people were killed, 200, and I don't know what it was, 60 some. I mean, whole families were basically obliterated. Yep. Yeah. And you still had, there was still justification that some, especially in the West, that they swallowed whole. How can you, how can anyone look at a bomb falling on a residential area that wipes out an entire family? including children, and, and say, well, you know, God, Hamas, they hide. And so when you get to a point like that, you know that it's this kind of back and forth of, oh, we're under occupation. It's not going to work anymore. They don't listen. You know, for me, it's very difficult. And that's why I'm so frustrated with the PA, mm. is that, you know, this, this, this kind of talk, it's empty. To say stuff like the two-state solution, it means nothing you know, there is no two-state solution. If you look on the ground at the, at, at, in Palestine at this point, international jargon is the West Bank, Gaza, and in the best of cases, East Jerusalem, okay, which I have an issue with, but whatever. Even there, 60% of the West Bank is Area C. In Area C, Palestinians are not, are not allowed to um, build on it. They're not allowed to have, you know, crops, agriculture, and when they do, they get demolished. So what two-state solution are they? What state? So again, you know, things have to change even the way that we that we speak. Indeed. Sheikh Jarrah, I did a, a, an interview on TV and they were talking about Sheikh Jarrah and I said, what that represents to diaspora refugee Palestinians like myself is 4K live digital imagery of 1948. The stories our yeah. parents and grandparents told us, we got to see the expulsion from our own homes the brutality. The Palestinians there are remaining steadfast. The courts at some point are going to rule and let the police come and get them. What happens then? You know, this is what I, I, I would 
love for people to realize um, is that Sheikh Jarrah, like you said, it was basically a di digital imagery of 1948. Sheikh Jarrah has a microcosm, the bigger picture. What is happening in Sheikh Jarrah is happening in Sudan and it will happen in other places until Israel's objectives are, are met. Okay, it's not, I mean, now it's about Sheikh Jarrah. But if you look over all of these years, they've been doing this. This, the, the policy of displacement and of expulsion has been ongoing, okay? So it's a Nekbe, when people say Nekbe, and Nekbe hasn't ended because they have just, they're uprooting people. And so Sheikh Zarrah, what's going to happen? Like you said, no one can actually bank on is Israel's judicial system because it's basically a tool in the hands of the entire, you know, the government. That you know that it's not going to rule in your interest. They may, in order to cover up, they may give one or two, you know, oh, okay, we're not going to demolish the Soma. We're not going to kick people out right now. But eventually they will, because Israel has an ultimate goal. And, and it's not about keeping Palestinians in their home. I think what's going to happen is that in Sheikh Zarrah, in Silwan, in the old city of Jerusalem, in Naqab, in the Negev desert, where the Bedouin um, communities, it's all the same policy. And it gets implemented over the years, little by little, until their goal of displacing Palestinians, having the land without the people, is what's going to happen. And it's a very, very difficult struggle. And you know this, I don't have to tell you that, is that you have to really fight tooth and nail in order just to remain in your own home. And it's not necessarily, it doesn't actually have to be that they're going to come and physically take you from the house. I can talk to you about my own experience is that I have been married to a Palestinian from Jerusalem for 23 years, and I still do not have a Jerusalem ID card. So I don't have any, they basically have not acknowledged that I have a right to live in my own home. They sometimes give me a permit to allow, to allow me to remain, but I have no actual rights in Jerusalem. So again, it's this policy where let's push people up. And if my family did not remain, they did not have what they call the center of life in Jerusalem, they could lose their Jerusalem ID cards too. So it's all part and parcel of one big policy and one big goal of the land of Israel without the indigenous Palestinians. And that's why it's such a difficult, intractable to me, conflict, because it's all about, about our existence. It's not about economy. It's not, you know, it's about land and the people on it. And that's why from the Palestinians, their strongest and most powerful weapon is actually to physically remain in in their homes on their land and until they're physically removed. Other that's the that's the best way to do it. It's, it's not easy, as you can see. It's tough, but you know you got to do what you got to do. We've spoken to many Palestinians along the journey, Jahara, and they've all said, "We know what happened in '48. People fled, thinking they'd come home, but they're not going anywhere. We're, we're dying in our houses this time." Yeah, it's true. But at least we've learned our lesson. You know, we don't, we don't leave anymore no matter what anybody says. No matter what. I mean, you're an inspiration. Uh, our people are really awe-inspiring. Shahada, we've got a couple yeah. of minutes left. One of the, my favourite things is uh, when Zionists tell me that BDS doesn't work and it's, you know, the economy is growing and Israel is still the startup nation, et cetera. Ben and Jerry, they don't want to make, they don't want to sell ice cream in uh, the West yeah. Bank anymore. And apparently it's an apocalypse. Uh, yeah, that's just proof of, that, you know, they don't, they can say whatever they want. The fact that they blew their lids over over ice cream shows you that that you know it is a big deal it's very powerful it's not going to bring down israel's economy overnight obviously but it's a change in the mentality we're seeing for example universities in the u.s 
who are now saying that, yes, Israel is an apartheid. We're seeing people, churches divesting from Israel and settlement. So yes, it's slow process, but it's working. Increasingly, crimes of Israel are being exposed, whether it be citizen journalism or shows like ourselves and, and the work of people like yourself, Shahada. It's easy to see that it's a, a little racist apartheid state and nobody wants to be its friend. But this is, this is what I don't understand. Yes, no one wants to be its friend. But then why? So, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just the powers that be. You know, they have the U.S. behind them and Europe, basically, and Australia and all, you know, the West, more or less. But yes, on the ground, most people know. So I, I that's where BDS comes um, comes in play. I think that, that if change does happen with the people and the people can put apply enough pressure on their governments. But again, it takes a long time. And where it comes to, for example, the U.S. or the EU, but more or less, mostly the U.S., all, I think that the, the solution is so simple. You know, you close that faucet, you know, on the aid and things will change. But yeah. that's just me living in la-la land, apparently. No, it's, um, it's going to happen, Johanna. Have faith. Have <laughs> it faith. will happen, inshallah. <laughs> I hope so. It will, will indeed. And one day, inshallah, yeah. we'll be able to share a cup of coffee in Jerusalem. And yes, uh, remember, and on our the little bits we played in its uh, in in its liberation. Exactly, I hope so. I hope so. you always have to have hope, and you all you have to persevere. There's no Absolutely. other way. Jahara, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been an honor to to speak to you again. Uh, I really you. appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. That was Jahara Becker joining us from Palestine. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, share the podcast, and remember. There's never been a better time for a free Palestine.